Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 12 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and what perfect timing for this week's episode. We have Danielle McNamara back with us. If you missed my previous podcast with her, don't worry. I'll have a link in the show notes to those episodes. But Danielle is the former women's coach at Yale and is now running a consulting company where she works with tennis families to help them through the recruiting process. And we are going to focus this week on why grades matter. For those of you with kids that are just entering high school or are already in high school, um, it's very important that they keep their grades up throughout their high school years if they want to play tennis in college. I want to debunk the myths that grades don't matter for collegiate athletes. I want to debunk the myth that Collegiate athletes don't have to go through the application process, and Danielle is going to give us some great information in this episode that I think will help all of you manage this process much better, much more smoothly, and take some of the stress away. At least that's my hope. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Danielle McNamara. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's always a pleasure to have you, Danielle. It's so nice to see your face, and I'm really excited about our topic today. Yes, thanks so much for having me, Lisa. Good to see you. So we're going to be talking about the importance of grades, um, as yep. people will glean from the title of the podcast. But um, before we get there, mm-hmm. I want to just give you an opportunity to kind of remind our listeners who may not have caught our past episodes um, about what it is you do and where you came from prior to doing what you do today. Yeah, sure thing. So um, what I'm doing now is I uh, I launched my own business in January called DLM Coaching. And one of the things that I'm doing is um, helping prospective student athletes and their, their parents kind of navigate this recruiting process um, a little bit more successfully and hopefully more enjoyably. Because before this, I was a longtime college coach myself, um, coached at Yale and the University of Texas. And I 
in those years, I was a head coach for about 15 years. Um, I just saw hundreds of recruits go through this process and see just how daunting and stressful it really can be. Um, and so there's not a, t- it's understandable. I mean, there's not a lot of information out there for many people. It's the first time they're going through the process. So how would they know? Um, so I'm just trying to help educate and and guide people through this process now using my experience from, from coaching and as a former student athlete, having gone through it myself. So that's what I'm up to and super excited to be here today. Well, and one of the things I love about what you do um, is you don't do the work for the student athlete. You are a guide, much as what I do, you know, talking to families. And and I am a big proponent, and I know you are too, of the student athlete putting the work in, learning the skills that it requires to be successful at college recruiting. And Mm -hmm. Being successful doesn't necessarily mean going to a name brand school like Yale or University of Texas. It means finding the school that's the right fit for you, both academically and tennis wise. Right. Right. Exactly. And I the statistics that the NCAA um, put out every year or roughly every year on the percentage of high school athletes in a given sport that go on to play that sport in college um, at any division, it, I mean, it, a lot of times people are blown away by those numbers. You know, I think for, for, for males, it's around 5% maybe of any division. And for females, it's about 4.5%. And when I throw those numbers out at people, I, I say that not to be um, discouraging or to deter people from pursuing a collegiate tennis career, but more just to emphasize the fact that like, you need a plan, you you need education, you need information, you you have to take ownership of this and make it happen. I mean, there are so, so few players in the country where coaches are going to be kind of banging their doors down and, and reaching out on their end to start the process. It really has to come from the prospect and 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 the support of the family and, and really be strategic about it. So that's kind of, um, I think, a misconception that a lot of people have. And and you're right. I mean, then the other the other thing that I ask people when I do any kind of, um, you know, sessions with larger groups on recruiting is like, well, how many how many college tennis programs do you think are out there? And I'll get such low numbers, you know, like 100, 200. It's like, no, there are, you know, there's almost 2000 when you count men and men's programs and women's programs. And, and so the point being, like you were just saying, there are so many options. It's, it's five divisions really. And it's just um, from the big, big name brand schools, you know, um, all the way through. So, so it's important to understand that you need a plan and to really keep your options open and cast a wide net. So. Well, and what's interesting is, you know, you're throwing out these percentages that the NCAA reports. It's not that there are kids that want to play college tennis and they're not finding, you know, there's no opportunity for them. Mm -hmm. There are tons of opportunities, as you just mentioned, right? But what has to happen is we have to open our minds and not limit ourselves to just the schools that we've heard of necessarily, Mm -hmm. but maybe start digging deeper and this is what I've been trying to do with the podcast for years now is, is to bring coaches on from schools that people may not have heard of and to understand that there are some amazing coaches out there with amazing athletes on their teams. And, um, you know, we got to just think bigger, think bigger, think exactly. bigger. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the focus of today is 
to talk about grades and why grades are important, if grades are important, why grades are important. And I was sharing a story with you offline that I've, I think I've shared on the podcast before about um, a college coach talking to my son when he was, I, I think he was probably in like fifth or sixth grade. And this college coach told him, oh, don't worry about your grades. Your tennis will get you into whatever school you want to go to. Mm-hmm. And that was such bad advice. And <laughs> my son glommed onto that. And that was his comeback. Every time I would get on him about doing better in school, he's like, oh, well, coach told me I don't need to worry about my grades. That as long as I work at my tennis, I'll be able to go wherever I want. And that's really not the case. No, no, definitely not. Um, unfortunately, poor advice from that coach. <laughs> Um, because grades really do matter. I mean, they really do. At, at the end of the day, no college tennis coach can admit you to their the university that they work at. That's just, that's not who does it. Um, as much as he or she might want you on their team. And at some schools, coaches might have a little bit more kind of pull with admissions than others. But at the end of the day, it's the admissions office at that school that is admitting you to the university. Um, And so you need to be within striking distance of a, quote, like typical student at that university. I mean, and and I have to admit, like I was when I was a younger earlier starting out coach, I would get really frustrated um, sometimes with my own admissions department telling me like, you know, um, this person just, I'm sorry, is is not going to be a fit academically. And I so wanted them on the team. Um, and I had to unfortunately go in a different direction. And I learned over time that that advice that if they told me that, that it was actually in the best interest, not just of the school, but of the student athlete too, because if he, he or she, in my case, she came to our school, chances are they weren't going to be able to balance both. They would basically probably most likely start just drowning academically. Mm. And at that point, you can't even, you can't play tennis, you know, you can't win tennis matches. You can't show up to practice every day and perform well if you're so overwhelmed academically at that school. And so um, it took me a little while to kind of come to terms with that. That was a hard one for me. I remember just, you're so competitive and you want to you want to win. Um, but at the end of the day, you need, you know, student athletes that can perform academically and athletically at that particular school. Um, so it absolutely matters. Grades matter. <laughs> well, and it's not just that the grades matter, but also, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's developing the study habits. It's developing the time management skills that are required to have good grades in high school for most kids. I mean, there are those rare kids that don't have to put the time and work in uh, to do well in school. But for most kids, they do have to figure it out. And those skills then transfer over once they matriculate onto the college campus. Um, and from the college coach's perspective, Danielle, can you Talk about, you know, the the additional stress involved when you do have a student athlete who is not meeting the minimum requirements grade wise on your team. What does that do to you as a coach? Yeah, I mean, a a coach should, you know, I think a good coach is invested in you as the entire person, not just the tennis player. Um, and, And you should be a student before you're a tennis player. Um, that's why 99.9% of college athletes are there is to get their education and that's first. So as a college coach, you know, you, you want your, your student athletes to be successful in all these realms. 
So, you know, you just really have to be there to support them and give them what they need, um, the resources, the time, the flexibility to be able to feel really good and do well in the classroom. Again, because if that's not happening um, from the athlete's side of it, you, you will not get very good quality production from them either. So um, it's very important. And the other thing about college is, as you know, is it's not just that now you have to manage your time and make good decisions and balance a, a heavier load in probably every aspect of life than, than you've ever done before. But now you have to do it without the guidance of your parents. Um, and boy, do I vividly remember that uh, at 17, moving to Ann Arbor and just, you know, that's that's overwhelming for some kids. It certainly was for me. I did not have the best academic year my freshman year, did not make the greatest decisions. And, you know, you learn, I learned the hard way. Some kids transition better than others, but um, I just too feel like a coach is there, should be there to kind of help you navigate that whole transition to, to full independence um, in life and in all aspects. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough. And as hard as it is for American kids, think about if you're, living abroad and your child is coming to the U.S. maybe for the first time to be a student athlete in college, um, those adjustments can be even trickier. And um, so I think it's it's really good to kind of start developing those habits, um, really starting as young as eighth grade, really, or or sooner. But Exactly. I mean, I, you know, we've talked about my kids. I have two, two younger kids. Um, I think about that all the time as a parent, just like a coach probably does is like my, I feel like my job is to develop these good habits in them now. Um, so that when they are older and on their own, like they have that, those things instilled in them. And absolutely. I'd say by junior high, um, because by the time freshman year rolls around, you want to be able to do well in the classroom. You don't want to just be figuring out how to manage your time and all of those things. So if you can get that that under your belt earlier, even better. Can we talk a little bit about the NCAA Eligibility Center and what that you know what its role is in the whole recruiting process? Right. Yeah. So the Eligibility Center is something I know it's recommended that um, you create kind of a the free profile page account um, when you are you know about to enter high school. Um, and I think you can upgrade to a paid account um, down the road, and that would be something you'd want to do if you're interested in playing Division One, Two, One or Two tennis. If you want to take an official visit, um, then you'd want to upgrade to paid. You don't have to start right off the bat with a with a paid account, but the Eligibility Center really, I mean, from my understanding of it, um, and I know things have evolved over time, is just to make sure that you are eligible to play your sport in college. Have you taken the the requirements in high school, the core classes and met all of those requirements so that um, you can enter and enroll as a a freshman and and have full eligibility to play your sport. So that's why it's good to be on the front end of that and not finding out later on um, when you are, you know, you want to, you know where you want to go and, and then find out, Oh wait, I'm missing this class or this core requirement. I've got to go take it somewhere and you're scrambling. I mean, there's, that's got to be unbelievably stressful. So um, good to start with that early. Again, you can just do that free account, but um, it's definitely something to check out. 
Yeah. And it's, it's funny, it's changed. So when my son was going through college recruiting, there was only the free account. There was not Mm -hmm. an upgrade. This upgrade thing is new. And I, um, somebody pointed it out to me, actually, um, one of the parenting aces parents in a consult was asking me about it. I was like, what are you talking about? There's no paid (laughs) thing with the eligibility center. And sure enough, I went on the website and like, oh yeah, there it is. Um, So that's relatively new. I think that paid thing. Um, But what I I love about having that taken care of early on in high school is it keeps you on track, right? Um, You are submitting your transcripts. They're letting you know, like, yes, you're on track to graduate and be eligible or no, you're falling behind in this area. Um, Also, it holds you accountable for your grades and your GPA because you have to keep your grades up to be eligible to play in college. Um, There's no way around that. Right. Right. No, it's very important to do. Um, and like you said, just make sure you're on track, uh, taking those classes, doing well. Um, and eventually you'll, you'll probably, if you want to play division one or two tennis, you're going to need it, um, anyways, uh, to sign an NLI or any of that. So, um, but yeah, definitely a website parents and players want to get familiar with. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have a link to the eligibility center in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So make sure to take a look. And mm-hmm. if you haven't created that account yet, get on that today. Yeah. Um, there's this misconception, Danielle, that once student athletes get on the college campus, that they're going to have a gajillion resources at their fingertips to help them with the academics. So they don't really have to stress about that, that there are going to be tutors, there are going to be special study sessions, um, that the professors are going to say, oh, you're a student athlete. Oh, of course you can have an extension on this deadline, or of course Mm -hmm. you can make up this test at a later date. Um, give us the real, real deal here, the real yeah. story. <laughs> I mean, I, I really think it just varies by school, um, the, the resources that you have and, and the flexibility. I mean, it probably varies professor by professor at a school too, on that, on that end of it. Um, but I think that it's important in, during the recruiting process, those are great questions to ask, uh, ask the coach is, what are the resources available? Do I have, will I have tutors? Is there required study hall? Do I have an academic advisor? Um, you know, all of these types of things so that uh, you know what you're getting into um, and you know how to find them early. Like if, if that you, it's my experience is oftentimes people are just afraid to ask for help. Um, they, they feel like that's, you know, it's a sign of weakness or something, but in fact, it's actually that the best thing you could possibly do is familiarize yourself with those resources early and then use them. That's what they're there for. Um, so it will vary, I think greatly, but that is an excellent question, a series of questions to ask, um, when you're looking online and then, although that, that information may not actually be online a lot of times, those are the questions you want to ask as you're building that relationship with the coach, you know, you're having the phone calls, hopefully maybe you get on campus for an unofficial or official visit. Absolutely. These are the things you want to be talking about so that, you know, it's really, really important um, in order to set yourself up because everyone's going to need help at some point, no doubt. For sure. And it's also a great conversation to have with existing team members. Uh, They're a great font of information. So like you said, when you're on campus for that unofficial or official visit, talk to the to the people that are currently playing on the team Mm -hmm. and find out, you know, what resources they've taken advantage of or that they wish they had that maybe aren't available. And so that you come in prepared. Right. 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 
And I think anytime you get, once you get to school, um, regardless of where you are and the resources, as far as the flexibility and working with your professors, I mean, that's something that that's just a good practice to be proactive and communicate on the front end immediately, like walk up day one and introduce yourself and say, hi, I'm so-and-so I'm on the women's tennis team or the men's tennis team. Really excited about your class. Just wanted you to know who I am so that when you do maybe need that extension or you're going to miss that test or that class, it's not the first time they're hearing from you via email and you're this sort of like mysterious person. Um, those are really important relationships to build, not just not just because, you know, you're, you're going to be missing things, but just in terms of the success you'll have. And also, who knows, down the road, you know, you might want to get into that field and you have this established relationship and you can you know, they'll write you a recommendation or maybe you can do some research for them or whatever the case may be. I mean, building relationships with professors on campus um, is really key to your academic success and beyond. I want to go back to the high school years and uh, your grades and the importance of grades. It's something that needs, as we said, needs to start early because Mm -hmm. if you wait until your junior year, or God forbid, the first semester senior year, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, my GPA is not, you know, not meeting the minimum or I'm missing classes. It's really very difficult, if not impossible at that stage of things to kind of regroup. Um, So what are some suggestions that you give to prospective student athletes in their eighth grade year moving forward uh, to stay on top of that. So I think it's really important to understand what the options are at your particular school, at your high school, um, because, you know, it's it's a really good thing to be taking challenging courses. And that might vary depending on what's offered. You know, some school might have 25 AP classes and lots of honors um, another school may only have a handful or, or no APs. I mean, it just varies greatly. So depending on what the opportunities are that you have at your school, I think in general, I always encourage people to challenge themselves. Now, you're not taking APs freshman year or maybe not even sophomore year, but you know, you want to be, a, a lot of schools have paths, right? Like pathways to the AP classes or to the honors classes. I would say that's a good thing. Like try to really challenge yourself if you can handle it in as many subject areas as you can, but obviously, you know, you, you don't want to overdo it. So striking that balance is important because doing well really does um, matter. My, from my experience in all my years of coaching with admissions, I would say by far the most important piece of information from an academic admissibility standpoint is your transcript. Um, You know, that is a demonstrated piece of work over time. Uh, it's not like I sat down and I'm a really good tester and I just, I, you know, slam dunk on the SAT. I'm not saying that's easy to do, but I feel like a lot more people can, can test well than can sit down in a classroom for two, three, four years, depending on what year you're in and really produce top grades in classes that in the classroom setting that, that is, that is your body of work. That is what they want to see. Um, trends matter. (laughs) Upward trends are much better than downward trends. Um, So even if you do have a bit of a rocky, you know, ninth grade in terms of of your grades, like I wouldn't panic. Um, I would really buckle down and make sure that ninth, 10th grade is is much stronger and, and get that upward trend going. 
Um, as I said, the reverse is definitely going to raise some red flags and a lot of questions. Um, but I do think that transcript is, is key. Challenging yourself in the classroom, sitting down early with your guidance counselor. You know, guidance counselors can really vary across high schools. Like when it comes to being a recruited athlete, some will have a lot of experience with it and they'll be really helpful and they've done this before and, you know, they can kind of speak the language. Others will have no idea what, what you're talking about and then anywhere in between. And so, you know, they can be a good resource, but at a, you really need to sit down with them early on and lay it, lay it out for them. Um, talk about your goals. These are, the, you know, this is what I want to do. This is, these are the types of schools I might be interested in. And they're a great resource for you to kind of navigate this, this path ahead of you. Yeah, for sure. One thing I want to say about AP and honors courses, and this is something Unfortunately for my children, I did not learn until much too late, but that is that it's not about taking every AP course that's available to you or taking every honors course that's available to you. It's so much better from a mental health standpoint and from a performance standpoint and from an overall education standpoint Mm -hmm. to push yourself in, in the subject that you have some interest in. Yeah. So if you love literature, taking AP Lit is a no-brainer. Right. If you hate math, please don't push yourself to take AP Calculus. Like right. it's just, you're going to be miserable the entire year. It's going to add a level of stress that is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, drop down a level in the subjects that really don't fuel your passion. Yeah. That doesn't mean to coast or take, you know, an easy schedule. But what I'm saying is even if every single AP class there is, is offered at your school, that doesn't mean your junior and senior year, you need to be taking seven AP classes. Right. Please don't do that to yourselves. Right. Um, It's, it's just a recipe for disaster, um, for burnout, for mental health, uh, challenges uh, to be kind and uh, for familial stress. I mean, you know, so be discerning when you're building your schedule. And like Danielle's saying, like, make sure you talk to your guidance counselor, even if they don't know anything about athletic recruiting. Of course, they know about the academic side. And, you know, don't let them talk you into pushing yourself, you know, especially for kids that want to play tennis at the collegiate level, Mm -hmm. sometimes the academic advisors don't understand the level of commitment that it takes to become a collegiate athlete, right? They don't understand the number of hours you're spending outside the classroom, right? right? And I think it's, you've got to really trust your gut. And, and for the parents listening to this, you know, be kind to your children in this process. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't keep pushing them. You know, you got to take more APs. You got to take more APs. There are so many excellent candidates when it comes to college recruiting. Mm-hmm. And whether you took 12 APs or you took five APs isn't likely going to be the determining factor of whether or not you're offered admission and a spot on the team. And I, I agree. And I would add that... Um, so if you're looking at a division one or two school and that June 15th date between sophomore and junior year comes around, that's that's the time you want to start showing your transcript to those coaches because you still have time. Like 
if you want to go to an elite academic school, they might actually say to you, you really should take that AP math class, even though it might, you know, like you, like mm-hmm. there are a handful and it's a small number of schools that they might actually say, like, you should beef this up on your schedule for next year, or it's okay. What you have is great, but what invaluable feedback to get before you start your junior year and you're already in the thick of your classes and you can't do anything about them. Yeah. But if yeah. you could find out earlier and in division three, obviously you can speak to coaches even before then, you know, query whether or not you'll get a response just because they're probably not focused on your class if you're that young. But but still, like this is information that you want to have so that you have time to make some tweaks if that coach thinks it's really important that you do that and you feel like that that's that's a good decision for you. But anyways, yeah, good question yeah. to ask early. For sure. If a student is not doing well in school, um, let's say their sophomore, junior year, high school, and the grades just are not there, you know, maybe they're barely pulling a C average, um, really struggling to get their grades up. What do you suggest to a student in that situation to help ensure that they are recruitable uh, at the schools that they're interested in looking at? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you got to stay positive. (laughs) And if it's something that you really want, like you really want to play college tennis, then, you know, I think it's going to probably at that point take a very concerted effort. Maybe it's um, taking a little less time on the tennis court and maybe focusing a little bit more on the academics, getting some outside help if you can, um, working with your teachers at your school and communicating this to them and and really like showing like, I, I, I care about this. I want to improve. I feel like most teachers um, will respond to that and and do what they can to help that student come up with a plan and maybe do a little bit of extra or whatever the case may be to work with them to get help get their grades where they you know they're a little bit higher. Um, but I, I think you again you need a plan you need to show um, that you care that you really want to get after it. Um, you got to focus time and attention there in the academic area even if it means pulling away from something else. Because like you said, even if your tennis is there, if the academics aren't a match, it's, it's not, it, you're not going to go there. You know what I mean? As much as you want to, and as strong as your tennis may be, you need to be within striking distance of, uh, you know, the, the student body at that school to, to get there. And, and so that's, that's where, and I know that most, a lot of athletes, they, they want to play their sport that they're, they're that's what's fun. You know, it's fun to be on the tennis court. It's not necessarily fun to stay after school and, you know, meet with your teachers a couple of days a week. Hey, but if that's what it takes to get you where you want to be, then that's what you need to do. Like that needs to be the priority, the academics, if, if this is your situation. Well, and again, you were mentioning before about the importance of once you're on the college campus, forming those relationships with your professors so that they know who you are before you're asking them to make accommodations for you. The same goes in high school. And so you can start developing those skills again, way before you're going to need them in college. Um, These are skills that are going to serve you throughout life. Being able to say I'm not where I want to be. I can't do this alone. I need some extra support here. And then going to an adult that can provide that support to you. This is a great skill to have. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're hundred percent right. It's the same thing. It's, it's asking for help, 
being willing to put yourself out there a little bit, maybe show a little vulnerability. That's okay. Uh, we're all human. And again, that upward trend. So the, the ship hasn't sailed completely. Like you still have time. If you can really turn things around and show a, a pretty big improvement, um, that's going to that's gonna give you a lot more credibility as a student. I love that we're doing this at the beginning of the school year, because I feel like, you know, this is that reminder, hopefully, that kids may need that even if you're starting your senior year of high school, it's not too late for you. You can still show that upward trend this fall semester. You can show that you have rededicated yourself to your academics, you know, and that you're willing to do what it takes. Right. And I do think back to the relationships with your teachers in high school, another uh, way that this kind of comes into play is when it's time to apply and you need those teacher recommendations um, for your application. I mean, typically those are coming from your teachers that you had junior year um, and how well they know you as a person, as a student, um, your your commitment to your ac- ac- uh, academics, all of those things, like that's going to allow them to write an even more glowing and substantial recommendation, which I mean, truthfully, those matter. Um, You know, it's not just transcripts or scores. It's, it's the full picture. It's your teacher recommendations, your, your personal essays. I mean, they're trying through text, (laughs) through paper, trying to get to know you as best as they possibly can an alumni interview, all of these things matter. Um, So, you know, that's another, another reason to get to know them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Going back to a statement you made early on, uh, which was that the tennis coach is not the one that gets you into the college. It's the admissions department. There is another one of those misconceptions out there that, you know, if, if I'm signing an NLI and I'm going to play for this coach, or I'm not signing an NLI going to D3, um, that I don't have to apply to school. Like, I don't have to get in. Um, can you clarify what the process really does look like there? Yeah, no, I mean, you absolutely have to apply. You absolutely have to be admitted by the admissions department at that school, receive your acceptance letter, or in some cases, a, a likely letter in advance of the sort of more formal acceptance letter. Um, but you have to apply. You need to be admitted like everybody else. Um you know, whether you're getting an athletic scholarship or not, it that doesn't matter. Like you have to be an admitted student to that university. And the coach, um, again, depending on um, the situation, if it's an Ivy League school or a Division three, and, you know, they, a lot of them are giving you early in the recruiting process, whatever academic feedback you are getting from that coach is based on his or her confidence based on their experience at that school. Mm. Um, A lot of times there are specific dates that they are allowed to actually show your material to the admissions department and get academic feedback. Prior to that, it's just them telling you what they think, Mm. um, which is can, you know, can sometimes vary uh, from what you actually hear from the admissions department when you get that pre-read. So, um, you know, and a lot of times players make uh, under, and I understand it, it's, it's, there's a time crunch, it's the domino effect, you make decisions, you make verbal commitments um, prior to that official pre-read. 
but recognize that that is, that is based on a coach's level of confidence that they have on their experience, not necessarily depending on the timing, not necessarily from the admissions department um, itself. And I also want to point out the admissions deadlines are really important. Yeah. They're not flexible. <laughs> right. they, are, they are not flexible. Mm-hmm. So if there are schools that you're thinking you might want to apply to, start keeping track. I, I mean, I always advise kids to set up a spreadsheet of some yeah. sort where they have the, all the schools, the important deadlines and where they can check off when they've achieved the things that they're supposed to get done. Um, if you miss the admissions deadline, if you miss a scholarship application deadline, you are out of luck. They yeah. are not going to reopen no. the process for you. It, it no. just, I don't care how good a tennis player you are. That just is not going to happen. 100%. You're right. Because then it's a precedent. It's a slippery slope. They just can't do it. They can't afford to do it. Um, so you're right. Pay attention to the to the deadlines. Um, and I'll just add like one other. If there, if there isn't enough incentive already to just really focus on your grades from everything we've talked about, I mean, it can really matter when it comes down to um, money to, 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 you know, being able to afford different universities now, you know, now with the new NCAA um, rule where you can kind of stack, uh, you know, if you're an equivalent equivalency sport and you get some money from your, from your sport, but you get some merit aid because you're a great student. Wow. I mean, what a difference that could literally change the list for you of schools, like a school that might've been out of reach financially now might be in reach because you're a really strong student and they want you there. So, I mean, my goodness, like, <laughs> well, especially so in division three schools where there exactly. is no athletic money. Right. Right. Um, and in some cases you might be able to get need-based financial aid and some academic merit, you know, scholarship money. And wow. I mean, what an unbelievable thing um, for you and your family uh, and, and giving you more options. So just so many reasons that you should be focusing on grades from the beginning um, of high school and, and making that a priority. And I want to say too, don't blow off the application. Like yeah. don't think yes. that you don't have to write a strong essay. Don't think that you can just kind of wing it through the alumni interview if that's yeah. something that's offered to you. I mean, yes. you need to take every step of the process very seriously because I promise you the university is taking it very seriously. They Absolutely. have a lot of kids trying to play you know, trying to come there. They have an X number of slots open. The coach has X number of slots open. I mean, you want to shine. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. They read that application from cover to cover every word, probably multiple people in the admissions office will read that even as a recruited athlete, it will be scrutinized. And again, this isn't, it's just, I think the point is take it seriously. Like don't freak yourself out about it. And the other, I guess, piece of advice I'd give on that is be true to yourself, like be you. I mean, admissions officers read thousands of essays, um, you know, over the course of a professional career. They can tell when someone's just trying to write something that they think they want to hear versus being really genuine and write, write about what you're passionate about. It doesn't matter the topic. It truly doesn't matter. It, what it matters is that you write about you and why that's important. Again, because they're trying to get a sense of who you are. Um, there's no right or wrong. It's just being true to yourself, um, taking it seriously, 
have someone uh, review it, not write it for you, but like if someone who knows you closely, have them read your essay and say, what do you think? You know, like, does this sound like me? Um, if the answer is yes, then you are on the right track. If it's like, oh, I don't know, then maybe rethink it. Do the tennis coaches see those essays? Um, I used to be able to see applications after, like, it was all said and done. Okay. Um, uh, but not in the process. But that was always my advice to people um, that were applying to the schools that I, I was at. And um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I'll never forget when I first uh, started coaching, we had this required new coach meeting with the admissions office. And the, the exercise was they handed out three full applications of three separate students, all of whom applied like a few years before. So like they were not like real current applications. And we saw grades, we saw teacher recommendations, essays, the whole bit. And the question was, what do you think the answer was from admissions on each one of these students? And it was shocking to me how, I mean, they were all strong students, don't get me wrong. So like it wasn't easy to determine from the grades and and test scores alone. But the point was all of these other little things really matter. Like one had a a teacher recommendation that was so like standard kind of like not, you know what I mean? You could tell the teacher didn't really know the kid. Yeah, kind of that had written this same version a hundred times. Right. And then there were others that were like, oh, this is one of the best students I've I've uh, taught in my 25 year career. And you're like, wow, you know, so, so these little things can really um, make the difference. And I was, I was quite stunned at who got in and who didn't. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. That'd be fun to, to kind of get the behind the scenes of that. I know. I know. Um, can you clarify something for us? I'll try. What's an early read and what's the value of an early read and who should ask for an early read and when? So that was a lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's good. Uh, So an early academic read, pre-read is when a coach is able to show all of your academic information. So when I would do this, the things I would show would be your transcripts the um, class schedule that you had for the next year, which would, would, in my case, would have been your senior year, would have been the next year. Um, Because typically, uh, at least um, a lot of schools aren't getting these reads until the summer before your junior and uh, the summer in between your junior and senior year. Um, So they want to see ninth, 10th, 11th grade grades, uh, any test scores you have, if you have AP scores, um, 12th grade class schedule, class profile is huge. And some people don't even know what that is, but that's almost all high schools have class profiles, which is um, something that's issued through the guidance office or the college counseling office. And it's, it's, it's kind of a summary of um, your school. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll, it'll, it'll show them all the classes that were offered. That gets back to my earlier point, because you're really going to be compared um, to the other applicants, definitely from your school, if there are some, um, because you were, you had the same resources at the same time and the same opportunities. And so there, that's an, that's an apples to apples comparison for them. So that will help them. The, the school profile will help them determine all of that. If, if the admissions officer doesn't already know your high school, which oftentimes they will based on the territory that you're in. So, um, that's, what's shown generally. And then the admissions officer that you work with will give the coach 
some version of red, yellow, green light, okay. sort of a, a reds like stop recruiting, not going to happen. Green is the obvious, looks good, continue recruiting. And most of the time people fall in the yellow, <laughs> which is like not super helpful. Right. But usually you can get enough information from them. Like if you have a good relationship coach with the admissions liaison, you can get good feedback. And that's something that I would then immediately relay to the athlete, which might be something like, you know, if this happens, um, you know, then things will be look pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, we haven't talked at all about online school, but if you're, for me, it would always be if they're online, well, if they can get some, some, some in the class experience or some in-person experience, that will certainly help their case or they'll give you something right to, to help you know how to turn a yellow to a green. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, and so, yeah, that, that's the feedback you'll get. You'll kind of pass that on to the, the recruited athlete. Now, usually coaches are only doing pre-reads unless yeah, with very, with the recruits that they're very seriously recruiting. Okay. Uh, this isn't for everybody. Um, and so you're pretty far along in the process. Usually the coach is very interested in you. You're very interested in them. You don't walk into an admissions office with 50 profiles to show them like that's too, you know, by that point I would generally have, I don't know, maybe a a big list might be a dozen, um, Mm. where I'm like, these are the kids I really am interested in. And, and, and that doesn't mean that if you're not in that first mix with the coach, that you can't then go later in a month or two down the road. If you've now all of a sudden appeared on my radar and now we're talking, I can go show them your information as well. But usually that's kind of how it, how it works. Um, and again, that's the information you really want because up until that point, it would be me giving them my feedback based on my experience, but I hadn't had anyone in admissions look at that yet because I wasn't allowed to. Got it. And is it something that the prospective student athlete should ask the coach to do, or is this something that the coach offers up? How yeah. how does that come up in conversation? Usually the coach, usually the coach will offer it up. Um, it'll be because it, the question will come up like, you know, um, earlier in the process, understandably is like, so what, what does it look, how does it look? You know, mm-hmm. does it look like I'm a candidate for this school? And Hopefully the coach is saying, well, I, I can't, I can't know for sure from admissions until this date when I do the pre-read, but here's what I think as of now. So you'll know that that pre-read is coming. Um, again, usually there have been many other steps that have been taken before you get to this point, you've built that relationship up. They've watched you play. Um, you know, they, they know that you're a good fit in a lot of other ways. And mm-hmm. now this is kind of like one big academic check that they want to get, um, to continue the process. Got it. And, and I will say, you know, a question that these high schoolers need to be asking the college coaches too, is where am I on your list of recruits? Am I in your top five, your top 10? Like, Mm -hmm. where am I? And I guess if the college coach is offering the pre-read, you know, you're somebody that they're very interested in. Yes, I would say that's definitely true. And I would say the pre-read or an official visit, I think those are two big big steps in the process mm-hmm. um, where you know like you're you know you're not offering that to anyone. Those are the kids that you really um, are most interested in and you're in probably the latter step stages of of the process at that point. 
Got yeah. it. Got it. I know you're offering a webinar coming up uh, yes. in September. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about that and let us know how we can get signed up for it. Yeah, no. So um, I am offering a webinar for players that are in the eighth, ninth, and 10th grade. So kind of the earlier, very, very beginning stages of the recruiting process. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions lately from players and parents uh, kind of of, in those grades where they're curious, like, what should I be doing, both from an academic standpoint, from a tennis standpoint? um, You know, what, what, what's the checklist I should be going through? So we're going to kind of cover a lot of information for anyone that's in kind of those, those three grades. Um, it's going to be free Sunday, September 24th at seven Eastern. Um, I can send you the link if anyone's interested in, in registering for that, but and then take a, a lot of questions and, um, you know, help, help people get started in those early stages of the process. I love that. And we'll have that link also in the show notes on parentingaces.com because we want to make it easy for everybody to sign up. If you have a child entering eighth, ninth, or 10th grade, this is the time, right? Mm -hmm. This is the time to develop the plan for recruiting, to develop the academic plan for high school or for the remaining years of high school to make sure that your child is in the best position possible to get into the schools where they want to go and play tennis. So exactly. yeah, I encourage everybody to sign up for this. If you're around, um, even if you're at a tournament that weekend, like step aside, log on, um, make sure you register and will it be recorded, Danielle? Yes, I will definitely record it. So we'll have that after, after the fact, cause we'll go over a lot of information. So um, it'll all be there for everyone, but you're right. I mean, I just think educating yourself early on um, is the key so that you can really be successful in this and have that plan. Yeah. Love it. Danielle McNamara, always a pleasure to <laughs> chat with you and pick your brain. And you always have such a level-headed approach to all of these crazy things that we go through as tennis families. So um, thanks for taking time to be back on the podcast. Ah, thanks for having me. And we will have Danielle's contact info in the show notes as well. So if you have questions for her, we'll have her website, uh, her email and all of that in the show notes. So please, please, please utilize this amazing resource. She has so much experience as a player, as a coach, and now as someone helping tennis families through the crazy world of college tennis recruiting. So Uh, thanks, Lisa. Yeah, absolutely. To my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.